0: Start the new year right and make your winning move today. Go bet at my bookie. Use promo code Gators to claim your deposit match, redeemable up to a thousand dollars. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And Gators Breakdown is proud to partner with America's number one meal kit, Hello Fresh. Go to hellofresh.com/gatorsfree and use code Gatorsfree for free breakfast for life with an active subscription. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on social media at GatorDave underscore SCC. And joining me for the first show of the 2024 year is co-host Will Miles. You can find him at a site, Read and Reaction, on YouTube at Read Reaction as well. First show of the year, Will. It's, uh, I guess there kind of was a dull moment finally, not necessarily for Florida because there really never is, but, um, you and I, we, we took some time off last week, enjoyed time with family and the holidays and, uh, here we are back at it in the saddle for first show right here on January 2nd, heading into this 2020, the, the year of 2024 and man, just, uh, a lot to get into, but I hope your holidays and all the time with the family was really good.
1: Yeah, Man, staycation up here in Philly. We're getting ready for snow next week, so everybody's excited. Saturday night, we're supposed to get like eight inches of snow, so that'll <laughs> be fun. And uh, and yeah, I mean, look, I, I think 2023 obviously a rough year for Florida and Florida fans. The hope is, is that 2024 is gonna be better. We've got some plenty of stuff to talk about, obviously, and a lot of roster building to be done by Billy Napier and company. And you know, we're gonna be here talking about it over the next four or five months as they build out what's going to be coming in the transfer portal, what's going to be coming National Signing Day, and then obviously the players who are to be coming after the spring transfer portal session. There's there's a lot of roster building and manipulation that needs to be done, and uh, obviously we'll be here, for, be here for all of it.
0: Absolutely. So, man, plenty. Plenty to get into with, because as I said, you and I took some time off last week, so we got to kind of review a little bit of guys who have entered the transfer portal from Florida. Uh, and also, man, we got some breaking news to talk about right before we come live here of who's visiting this week, who's entering the transfer portal from other schools that Florida may be interested in. So um, you know, Florida will be hot and heavy hosting transfer portal visitors this week. Uh, and some New Year's resolutions. It is definitely, definitely... Um, I think needed to talk about out there I, I, I want some of you guys to leave your new year's resolution not for yourself but for the Florida Gators out there. So plenty to get into right here on this episode of Gators Breakdown and we will do it like we always do right here in 2024. So hit that like button, subscribe if you if you haven't done so yet right here on the YouTube version or your favorite podcast platform. Um all those likes, those subscriptions go a long long way. Let's make uh, let's make 2024 bigger than 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 2023. We got a uh, uh, of course uh, a lot to get into Uh, as we uh, as as we move forward but you can do it at gators breakdown plus as well join in on the conversation is hot and heavy right now in the discord every all the movement going on out there all the breaking news um so if you want to be a member of gators breakdown plus talk to other gator fans you can do so there in the discord chat extra episodes those chat episodes all right there link is in the description to join gators breakdown plus so all right well let's get to it 18 departures so far for the gators off the team hit heading heading then in the transfer portal the most recent departures of course micah mazuka scooby williams Jaden hill uh we'll start on the offensive side will we'll start with micah mazuka as the other two guys are on defense and all the transfer portal talk uh, right now is defense that'd be a nice segue so much of the offensive talk will come right now of offensive guard micah mazuka hit the transfer portal Uh, Started in, you know, 11 of 12 games this past year. I think the only game he didn't start was when he was suspended uh, for getting to that fight against Tennessee. So, uh, 743 snaps uh, this past year. And look, we got to go back. I mean, remember, he wanted to hit the transfer portal in the springtime after he came to Florida. Florida talked him out of it. He got injured. Of course, the spring ball as well. Chose not to leave the team. Uh, And look, he he was thought of to be a one-year guy anyway, but the thought was maybe... To go to the nfl uh, as the next step so always looked at as a you're a one-year guy uh but mostly because the draft was the next step so you know putting it all together with wanting to transfer again but changing his mind and the thought of, uh, of a one-year player this isn't a surprise it'd be nice to have some continuity up front uh, along the offensive line with Mizuka returning but at the same time I'm not sure he ever really played up to what he thought he what he thought we could he could be um given that he was one of the highest rated offensive linemen coming from Baylor um in the transfer portal a year ago so was far from a liability I, mean, I think he was you know for this offensive line of a, a reliable piece of the offensive line So you start looking at it Najee Harris expected to become you know a starting guard I think in this in this offense next year um, Played in all 12 games had one start as a true freshman as well maybe just moved to Damian George to guard as well And Look, maybe competition there with Richie Leonard and maybe even Roger Kearney as well So we'll see what happens with him if he stays solely at center or not But there are some options some younger options uh, as well for the Gators at guard Um, You know, I'm of the mind will this is you know, this two offensive line approach if it continues into year three That should pay off in the name of development (laughs) in year three uh, some some of these young guys Hopefully take that next step with Mazzucca on his way out
1: yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't think Mizuka was the best offensive lineman, but he was far from the problem when it came to the offensive line. Jake Slaughter, actually, if you look at Pro Football Focus, I've really been looking at their numbers recently. I'll cite a lot of those tonight. Jake Slaughter was the best offensive lineman for Florida last year, but then Mizuka was second. He was above average for a guard. And so was he Osiris Torrance? No, absolutely he wasn't. And that was what he was sort of billed coming in. It's like, hey, this is the guy that Napier and company have targeted. They got Osiris Torrance from from Louisiana, brought brought him in. He's a unanimous All-American. Hey, we'll just be able to plug and play somebody in that spot and develop them in the same way. And it turns out Osiris Torrance has been pretty good for Buffalo this year in the NFL. So it's not you know, plug and play on offensive line just really isn't the way that it works. A lot of times, these are guys you have to develop from early stages. And given where Florida is in their roster development, it kind of makes sense that you would say, Hey, we need a guy like Najee Harris to step in. We need some of, you know, we need Roderick Kearney to step in. Like Those are guys they recruited, blue chip guys who they've recruited in the trenches. Those are guys who are going to have to be a big part of what Florida is building towards two or three years from now when DJ Lagway is starting to come into his own. If you've got this sort of revolving door at offensive line, then I think you're going to start to have issues with that, and we saw that this year really with with Torrance leaving and having to plug somebody else in. Um, not a surprise that Mazuka decides to transfer. You mentioned all the drama that was happening during the you know right before the season, but he also went out with flowers for his family and stuff on mm-hmm. Senior Day against Florida State. We'll talk about that for for another one of these guys we're going to talk about too. So <laughs> no, nobody hiding the ball on this one. You go out for Senior Day when you got three years of eligibility left. It means you're either going to the pros or you're entering the transfer portal. And so um took a little while to to make that announcement, but you know, again, I, I think the problem that Florida run is running into is they didn't have a lot of guys who were above average. And so on either side of the ball. And so when you lose a guy who was above average, not only do you have to replace him, but then you've got to replace the other people around him with above average play. And that that's that's where it starts to get dicey because, you know, if you were able to keep mazuka on the roster, then you could bring in someone else at a different spot and get above average play. Instead, you're going to have to rely on development. So Austin Barber and Richie Leonard and Damian George all ranked below mazuka Those guys, if they're all still on the roster, are going to have to step forward in order to just hit average and then you also have to find somebody who's average to replace mazuka just to get average play and obviously that's not really the goal the goal is to have you know above average top 10 type play and nobody on florida's offensive line was given that sort of play last year
0: yeah well so i think if we look at it if we go left or right just putting it together right now with who's on the roster you know transfer portal can still come into play here Left tackle maybe crenshaw dixon the new Transfer Florida just brought in uh, maybe you he played right and left tackle. Maybe he slots in the left tackle this past year I think you go left guard It's probably a Harris Leonard combination of, of, of some competition coming up slaughter at center right guard Do you move Damian George there? Does he compete with somebody like Kearney or is that a Harris, you know, Leonard? I uh, you know, Harris played there a little bit last year too So I think you can slot him in there and then right tackle You know, do you move Austin Barber back there now with Crenshaw Dixon and maybe he elevates that play that we saw uh, two years ago, or two seasons ago under Billy Napier. Now, one big advantage he had playing right tackle is he had Osiris Torrance at right guard next to him. So that makes the right tackles look better. Uh, but I think just looking at it right now, with what's on the roster, that's probably uh, how it slots without Micah Mazuka in the starting lineup. Yeah, I think,
1: uh, did you mention Cam Waits? Because
0: I think he's sort of the not, one. I did not, yeah.
1: So he, I think he's the one who's sort of, you know, fully more than a year off of the off of the the surgery for the Achilles um, he's a guy that really if the if Florida can have him be a difference maker, then all of a sudden it shores everything up. You mentioned Crenshaw Dixon played pretty well in his in his time at other locations, but is gonna have to transfer that to Florida. Barber was a little bit below average this year. And then you start, you know, we we immediately went to guys like Kearney. And guys like Harris to sort of fit in there. But again, those guys have to earn that spot. If Cam Waits can secure a tackle spot, well, that does two things. One is it means that there's real competition at the tackle spots. But the other thing is, is that does free up Damian George to move on the inside. So look, there's a lot of moving parts here. You always have that with the offensive line, especially given all the turnover that Florida's had at that particular space. I would love to see the young guys get some run, but obviously they got to beat out the guys who have already been there, the incumbents, and they got to make sure that they're pushing those guys in order to get to where Florida needs to get to. And You very rarely go through an entire season with only five offensive linemen playing all year long, so you need six or seven guys you trust anyway, and that's really when you're going to get to the young guys, even if they aren't starters. You're going to have to rely on those guys. Somebody's going to twist an ankle. Somebody's going to get bent up underneath and hurt a knee. Someone's going to have a non-contact injury. Hopefully not, but someone will. And so, you know, someone's going to tear a bicep or something when when they're trying to pick up a blitz. You get that sort of injury and someone's going to have to be able to step up. So to me, the concern isn't just who are going to be the front five. It's who's going to be six, seven, eight, nine. Do you trust those guys? And can those guys replace? Can those guys provide similar level play? To the guys that they that they have to replace when there's an injury on the offensive line, because the last couple of years when there's been an injury, there's been a significant drop off. Mm-hmm. And last year, let's be honest, I mean, Damian George was not very good there at at, uh, <laughs> at right tackle, and so um, that was a liability for Florida. We saw it when Florida had to throw against Florida State, and you know that means you only had five guys, right? You didn't have someone to come in and replace him um, when he wasn't playing necessarily up to snuff.
0: Yep, so there we go uh, catching us up on a uh, offensive lineman on the way out But we would now move to defense and this is where a lot of the headlines are of course for most of the talk around Gator Nation right now, whether it be Leaving and or coming to Florida through the transfer portal. So now on the defense and look I get will uh, not morning players on that side of the ball <laughs> that are leaving after what we have seen in uh, that terrible play. I'll try to look at it from both sides, both angles. It's what we do a lot of here. You know, it, we present a good and a bad. Um, look, over, the guys are losing. Overall played a ton of snaps last year and you'd like eventually for Florida to take a step. To rely on guys who have taken snaps and be contributors the next season you know lost one already with princely to old miss and possibly mcclellan to missouri uh those are two players that just went to sec teams that played new year's six games and won double-digit games so they see plenty of value in those players that just left florida uh, but scooby williams Jaden hill are the two players contributed a ton of snaps last season at some point, you'd love to be able to build an experience and not fall back on youth. Now, some of that is part, part of college football today and just a makeup of college football in the transfer portal. And I think, you know, for Florida, you know, now you have to look at are there enough difference makers in young players and or the transfer portal coming up to replace. And we will start with Scooby Williams finished third on the team in tackles with 53, along with four tackles for loss, two forced fumbles and a sack. Uh. God awful pro football focus grades uh, there. I'm talking, I'll, I'll let you. I know you uh, was doing the PFF well, so I'll let you go into that a little bit more if you want to. Uh, but bench kind of the final two games of the year to Roger Mitchell. Uh, steps in for him toward the end of the year would have had to had his win the, win ha, would have had to win his job back. Uh, of course, going into the twenty twenty four season. I think if we look at it, Will, this past year, I thought he was okay. You know, toward the beginning of the year, when he also got the line up beside Shamar James, him with Scooby playing the wheel linebacker, but once he had to take over for Shamar in injured Shamar James at the Mike spot, you can see the dramatic fall off. He's a true tweener uh, for linebacker and edge rusher. Scooby is, you know, possibly now if you look at it, possibly in a battle with Derek Wingo, who I I still see more as a backup to Shamar, but still. a probably in a battle with a a Derek wingo a manny nunnery jaden Robinson, the awesome true freshman that we're seeing highlights of all week in the all-star games uh with uh with graham and childs and maybe a a transfer uh, as we look at it but you know this is still somebody who garnered a ton of snaps last season that won't be on the roster next year could he have gotten better after his first season of meaningful snaps in the new defense under austin armstrong or had he reached the ceiling all right the timing of this know and asking around tells me this is more of a scooby decision than him being pushed out now i don't think he was guaranteed a spot next season but still could compete for a job here at florida still no linebacker coach i've told that can be a factor here as well so what this means the name i mentioned earlier wingo nunnery robinson the freshman graham and childs those are the pieces that are now on the roster and maybe florida hits the portal for scooby's replacement not long before we came live here on gators breakdown and everybody and their family let me know because they know just how close i was to this one a little bit in the recruiting process grayson pup howard from here in jacksonville hits the transfer portal linebacker at south carolina committed to them a year ago spent a year in columbia he's in the portal right now so of course he is going to shoot up the board for florida uh, in replacing somebody like a scooby williams so besides nunnery you know everybody else will be a young piece At this linebacker group in a critical year three for Billy Napier, look, I no doubt about it. Will these young linebackers will eventually be better than Scooby Williams was at linebacker? There's no doubt about that. But would that be the case in a critical year three for Billy Napier? Well, so I think the question is always compared to what. Like that's the,
1: whenever somebody says, "Oh, you need to fire somebody," it's like, "Well, compared to like who can you get to replace them?" Um, and, and it's the same thing with players. Like when a player decides to leave, what do you have to do to replace them? That's why a guy like Princely Human Meulen leaving is a big deal. It's not necessarily that Human Meulen was the best defensive end or best jack linebacker who's out there. It's that he was slightly above average when you take sort of his overall ratings. Again, I'll use PFF, but I think most people are like, you know, he was a solid jack linebacker. He was he or jack edge rusher. He wasn't necessarily the best guy out there, but he was solid. And now. Compared to what? Who are you going to put at that position? Now, if LJ McRae comes in, has 14 sacks next year, and is all over the <laughs> field, no one's going to weep the Princely Human Melon left. Now, if LJ McRae comes in, has three sacks, and can't hold up against the run, well, now people will be like, well, he needed a year to study under Princely Human Melon, right? So I, I think that's always the question is compared to what? Now, Scooby Williams, there's no doubt he was put in some rough situations over the last couple of years. It, really, any linebacker who's played for Florida has been put into some rough situations because they just haven't had a whole lot of talent. At that position. And his profile from a recruiting perspective, I think it was like the 85th overall player or something like that back when he came in, was somebody who could potentially be a three down linebacker. But you alluded to his pro football focused numbers. He was a 42.1 last year overall, which is in the bottom 10 of all linebackers in FBS um, or in the power five, sorry, not, not FBS. But the big thing was he was even worse in coverage. So, you know, his run defense was okay, his pass rush was decent. And then in coverage, he just got. Exposed over and over and over again. We saw that especially in the LSU game where, you know, it was obvious, but you could see that uh, where, where they were facing an explosive offense that could really isolate him. Um, and you felt kind of bad for him. But hey, that's, that's the reality, right? When you're a middle linebacker, you got to be able to do some of those things. I think the question in terms of how much Florida will miss him will be where does he end up, right? If Scooby Williams ends up transferring to Mississippi State or transfers to LSU or transfers to some other SEC school and goes out and plays meaningful minutes, then that's something where it's like, okay, you. You know, did Florida miss in the evaluation, or would that year have really progressed? What he was doing when he comes back in next year, if if he goes to a place even like um, Indiana or or you know non Power Five ends up at like Tulane or Bowling Green or something like that, okay, well you know then this was probably something where it was best that both parties move on. Um, so that to me is the thing. But the the look the eye test matches the stats matches the the individual player ratings. He just struggled last year, and that's the reality. So. If you're talking about a bottom 10 linebacker in Power 5, is a guy like Pup Howard, if they're able to get him to, to to come in now that he's in the portal, and upgrade? Well, in limited snaps, so about half the snaps that Scooby had last year, he had a much better pro football focus rating, 58.8. Still struggled in coverage, though. And I think that's the thing, is that – um you know, when you're looking for guys to step in and contribute immediately, you'd really like a guy who's already shown that he can play at an elite level, whether it's at an SEC school, whether it's another Power Five school, or whether it's another, whether it's a, a group of five school. But somebody who's played at an elite level at one of those places, now, Pop Howard hasn't necessarily showed that yet. But I think just based on the limited sample size, you can say that he's an upgrade on a guy like Scooby Williams, just based on the overall body of work and really also what you're asking them to do in in the Austin-Armstrong scheme. Clearly, that scheme didn't necessarily fit what Scooby Williams was best at, and, and he got exploited, especially, like you said, once he got moved to middle linebacker.
0: And for somebody like Grayson or somebody like the true freshman, you know, while we're speaking young players here, guys who have least played linebacker in high school, you know, there, there's an instinct. There is a, an experience that comes with play in that position and for years under Todd Grantham and it's kind of bled over here for Billy Napier a little bit you're playing tweeners maybe guys who You know, didn't play the position in high school or you were forced to play that position and just it never come around Look, it took Ma- Amari Bernie forever To become not a liability at the position and I thought he, he took massive steps in his in his final year last year And he was a he was a productive linebacker for Florida last year and it took that time so now we we were you know we've been excited for this recruiting class that just come in. We all wanted Pup Howard to uh, really to begin with. You know, hopefully you target him. He comes into the class and it gives you three young, true, traditional linebackers. You got Nunnery in there who uh, who I've said has got some experience. Who, uh, you know, he he won't be green out there if he has to play early on next year until these guys get their feet under him a little bit. Derrick Wingo did some nice things toward the end of the year last year as well. So. But look, even he's a guy who didn't necessarily play full-time linebacker (laughs) in high school as we keep, you know, with uh, with that topic bringing it up. So I think that's what excites me the most about a lot of the young guys, and I hope it translates a little faster because they have that instinct, they have that playing linebacker behind them.
1: Well, I mean, look. When Harold Perkins went to LSU two years ago, it didn't take him that long to make an impact, right? The reality is, is that there are guys who just go out there and flash. Shamar James is a great example of somebody who went out there (laughs) and immediately was somebody you looked at and said, "All right, a linebacker." Like it's been (laughs) a long time since we've had one of these guys. Nunnery's interesting because he actually came in as a safety, right? Mm -hmm. He he was a guy who was a defensive back, got moved to linebacker. You mentioned Wingo, same thing. Jaden Robinson's a guy you probably don't want to forget about. A guy who was who's been in the system now for a year, um, came in in last year's recruiting class, but a blue chip guy who's going to get an opportunity. And so that's the thing. I mean, you talked about Scooby being guaranteed a job. You aren't guaranteed anything when, when you struggle the way this defense struggled. And I think one of the messages that the coaching staff probably needs to send to everybody is nothing's guaranteed. You were the starting defensive end. You were the starting defensive tackle. You were the starting jack. Like whatever. There's no guarantee. So while we're not weeping that these guys are leaving, it does call into question some of the things, which is that you know the, the whole sort of Call to patience this year was, well, we're playing all these young guys. So that's going to be the question. A guy like McClellan leaving is the thing that really hurts because you sit there and you look at it and go, that was one of those young guys you were getting snaps when you were talking about playing all these young guys. And so you can't have those guys leave. I'm not, Scooby doesn't fit within that profile. And so I think him, human, Melan, and, and Hill, um, you know, those guys fit within the experienced guys who probably have kind of, reached what their ceiling's going to be? Like, there might be a jump, but is the jump going to be massive? And is it going to be anything other than sort of being replacement level? I think that's sort of the question that you try to answer when you're thinking about who's leaving and who's coming in. All
0: right, we will go to him now. Next, Jaden Hill, his best season uh, came this past year, and it was his first season of playing full-time at the nickel spot, 39 tackles, two sacks, three pass breakups. I thought he was probably the most aggressive defensive back Florida had this past year. Uh, But he played that new star role, um, played outside cornerback before that. You know, Coaching change is happening there on the backside now for Florida, so maybe that plays a factor here as well. Of course, he dealt with injuries throughout his career, so figured he'd probably try his luck at the draft. Um, I, that's what I thought. I thought he may try to... I thought the next step would be the draft, given all the injury history he's had, and maybe it's just time. Um, but regardless, well, he won't be at Florida. going to go to another program and try and improve his draft stock, possibly. I know Alabama is a is a school that's been thrown out there his home state as well i uh, will see what comes of that but i thought he was a bright spot in an otherwise disappointing defense he could cover not afraid to tackle i'd love for him to kind of you know return i thought you know that was a possibility at one point and maybe compete with somebody like a sharif denson who played a lot toward the end of the year did appear in all 12 games um I love his physicality you know, he was a guy here in jacksonville that i followed so it's easier for me to follow the jacksonville guys and i just talked about he being fast physical aggressive and that's exactly what sheree dinson is can really really um play with that physical mindset i think is needed at that nickel star spot that we haven't seen in quite some time so also Triquest bridges is an option i think you know just to transfer from oregon uh, is a versatile piece like he said farther would, would play him at safety i think nickel star can kind of be in that role as well uh maybe they they, they figure out there and we'll get into it in just a second because florida's hitting the transfer portal hard <laughs> for for the defensive back but Jaden hill um all in all i, I would have love to have him on next year's team will but also at the same time excited for sharif denson
1: yeah so i i thought hill um right around average a little bit below average he was good against the run he was good in run support for for being at that star position. He was good in pass rush, though he missed a few tackles. The Arkansas ones are the ones that really jump out to me. Where if he had been able to get, um, you know, the Arkansas running back Rocket Rocket Sanders to the ground there in overtime, uh, you know, maybe that entire overtime period is different. Um, coverage is where he struggled. So Pro Football Focus has him at sixty point three overall in coverage. And here's the reality: is in modern college football. Your corners, you'd love for them to tackle. You'd love for them to be good coming on the blitz. But where they make their money and where they make the team better is in coverage. And and that was the place where Jaden Hill struggled more than anywhere else. Which is again, <laughs> that's not news, and also is not necessarily isolated to Jalen Hill. <laughs> Jaden Hill. When you start talking about the corners that that Florida had, um, but so I look at it and I go, you know, solid player, but probably on a good defense. A backup corner mm. right like if you if you had a truly elite defense if you had one of those must champ defenses or the ones oh, McIlwain yeah. inherited in 2015 <laughs> and 2016 where's Jaden hill sit on the death depth yeah. chart and i think he's a backup you know maybe even a third stringer on those teams and you start looking at sharif denson and jakeem jackson and and some of the other guys that they brought in bryce thornton there at safety um obviously a little bit different position but you start looking at those guys and say are those the guys we want to get time? Not just because we invested last year's freshman season in it, but that there's a more of an upside when it comes to the coverage, which is what you really need. You start looking at the Alabamas of the world and the and the Georges of the world. One of the places last year, at least, that they really excelled was at both safety and corner. And you saw it the other night in the in the in the playoff games where there were a bunch of times. There's a that flea flicker play that that uh, that. Michigan ran that was disrupted. That was disrupted by a safety who was blitzing. And then there was another play where they sort of faked the run out of the Wildcat and a safety had to pick up, almost their star guy, Their star position had to pick up the tight end leaking out. And he was able to do that. Those sorts of things are things just Florida has not done over the last couple of years. And look, again, I think he'll... Uh, good player, but where would he sit on the depth chart of a championship team, I think, are the questions you have to start asking when you're talking about guys who are going to be redshirt seniors. And so, again, this was another one of the guys who came out with flowers on senior day, so not a surprise that he's leaving the program. Like you said, it was always a question of NFL or a different program. Wish him well. I mean, his story and, you know, sort of what he's meant to the Florida program over the last three or four years is significant. He's a guy I've I've just been sort of rooting for as a guy who's watched the program, seen the injuries, seen how he's gone about his business all that sort of stuff so yeah I, I would love to see him go someplace else excel and get a shot in the league and hopefully he's able to do that
0: yeah like I said you know the positions you know we're talking about here linebacker and defensive back I mean there are coaching changes uh, there as well so I think uh, yeah, you can't forget that I have to factor that in and certainly certainly goes to uh, our next topic here of all the transfer portal targets coming in to visit Gainesville this week and there are lots of them really really focused on The defensive side of the ball, but before we get there start the new year, right with my bookie My bookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sports betting needs anytime Anywhere so you can turn that sports knowledge into cash in your wallet The NFL playoffs the college football playoff final between Michigan and Washington all next week bet on all that or play for a big share of cash prizes in the weekly blackjack tournaments if you've been waiting for the right time to get in on the action? Well, that time is now. Make your winning move today. Sign up at MyBookie, use promo code Gators and claim your deposit match, redeemable up to $1000. One more time, that's promo code Gators to claim your bonus. Experience the thrill of sports betting right from the comfort of your home. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere at MyBookie. Whether your new year's resolution is to save money, eat better or stress less, You can have all three by using america's number one meal kit hellofresh make saving time your breeziest resolution with quick convenient recipes delivered right to your door just choose your meals select your delivery date hellofresh handles the meal planning and shopping so all you have to do is open your weekly box of pre-portioned ingredients and the step-by-step recipes to get cooking breakfast is now worth waking up for i'm a big fan of the quick easy egg bites to get my day going Pop them in the microwave, and man, you got a tasty hot breakfast right there. You can have this too. Go to hellofresh.com/slash/gatorsfree. Use code Gatorsfree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com/slash/gatorsfree with code Gatorsfree. Uh, well i put it up uh yesterday and have been having to update it at dot com. but all the uh, well, some i won't say all because uh, some i don't think some are public i uh, think maybe even still trying to figure it out and there was some breaking news even before we came live <laughs> right here uh, but all these visitors coming to gainesville this week through the transfer portal and I guess we kind of got to start with some of the bad news first Jaden voicing safety at South Alabama you and I were talking will one of our top targets here in the transfer portal we thought we'd be on campus this week right before we come live here on Gators breakdown says he will not visit Gainesville and will visit Mississippi State Mississippi State visit was in the plans anyway uh, but he's the third ranked safety in the portal uh, coming out as I was you probably saw me on my monitor looking off to the side earlier in the episode Maybe sounds like a credits grade issue here, um, there. So coming from South Alabama, uh, you know, we know how that, sometimes happens with Florida uh, and, and transfers. But one play I was really looking forward to, Well, we won't spend too much time on it since it doesn't uh, seem like it will happen. But one reason we added him to the list one more time, the third ranked safety in the portal was Jaden Voisin. In 2023, he had 71 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, four interceptions, seven pass breakups, a forced fumble. He had 79 tackles in 2022. 156 tackles to his name, six interceptions, three fourths fumbles in his career. He had one season of eligibility remaining. Uh, was a player, uh, as I said, you, you and I were uh, kind of excited to get on campus this week, but will not happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, so Pro Football Focus had him 84.6 this year overall, so that is 15.5 points above their average for uh, for cornerbacks. Um, he was 89.8 in coverage and 753 snaps. So Pro Football Focus, for you guys who don't know, basically they sit there and they grade every play, and they say it's on a scale from negative two to plus two, and then they they normalize that to 100. So most of the time, the average is somewhere around 65 to 70. So somebody at 85 is a significant player, even... Even at, a, even at a group of five school there at South Alabama, uh, but 89.8 in coverage. You know, we talked about Jadon Hill, some of his deficiencies in the coverage side, voice in was a guy I was excited about because the strength was going to be the coverage at the safety position. And that's a place where Florida just has struggled, right? I mean, how many times has there been a guy in good position with a ball going downfield and it ends up right in the hands of the receiver when it feels like Florida could have put a better fight downfield to knock the ball down? How many times has there just been a complete coverage bust where there's a guy wide open? How many times have we missed a tackle when a guy comes across the, across on a little crossing route that turns a five yard route into, into an 80 yard run or an 80 yard pass. And, those sorts of things have happened over and over and over again over the last few years. I think Voison probably had that sort of uh, that sort of profile. Again, though, I think we're going to go over this list, and there's a lot of good players on here as well. Um, not necessarily just Voison, but certainly he was one of the guys you looked at and said, "Hey, let's." Like, I'm glad they have him on the list because that's somebody who can make Florida better.
0: All right, so yeah, as you will hear, that was a, of course, somebody who would come in and play safety. A lot of these names are in the defensive backfield, uh, as you can see, Will Harris, a new DB coach, uh, making moves here. We, I think we saw it all over social media the last couple of weeks since he's been hired of all these transfer portal visitors coming in. So let's go. DJ Douglas. He's another safety out of Tulane. Uh, spent two years at Alabama as a walk-on, Will. Transferred to Tulane for the 2021 season. Played in 36 games, contributing 78 tackles, four interceptions, seven passes defended this past year um 54 of his 78 tackles came he had three interceptions this past year one season of eligibility remaining should be visiting tomorrow on this wind or wednesday could be today by the time you listen to this so um start going down the list even more john humphrey cornerback he committed to usc so he's committed already out of the portal will <laughs> oh after uh he was um coming from UCLA Uh, so in 2023 this past season John Humphrey recorded 31 tackles two forced fumbles and had two interceptions Uh, played four seasons at UCLA so a lot of experience here played in a total of 54 games to John Humphrey recording 76 total tackles 54 solo five passes defended two interceptions Uh, he's supposed to visit on January 3rd as well Uh, then who I would say right now will and I'll, I'll let you hop in after this one he may be the crown jewel actually at a cornerback spot. Cam Alexander from UTSA, Texas, San Antonio, finished the 2023 season with 34 tackles, 17 passes defended and two interceptions. All AAC first team while leading the conference for passes defended uh, and 10th in the country in passes defended was Cam Alexander. He was the MVP of the Frisco Bowl, uh, transferred to UTSA from Sam Houston where he appeared in 32 career games. 52 total tackles, 41 solo stops, six tackles for loss, three interceptions, 16 pass breakups, first career, 45 games played, 14 starts, 86 total tackles, eight tackles for loss, 36 passes defended, five interceptions for Cam Alexander. Um, Just uh, was certainly blowing up social media offers from uh, everywhere out there for Cam Alexander at the cornerback spot. Um, Just... Options at safety, options at cornerback, uh, but Cam Alexander really, really coming on here toward, uh, you know, tail end of his career, looking to uh, elevate, and maybe Florida is his next destination. Yeah, so
1: Alexander, definitely the best out of the three guys you just listed there, DJ Douglas, John John Humphrey, and Cam Alexander, at least in terms of their profiles. Um, Pro Football Focus has Alexander at 81.4, so again, up above 80. Um, 79 for John Humphrey, 72.3 for DJ Douglas. But what I would say is if you look at the coverage, ratings for those guys. It's 77.6 for Douglas, 77.8 for Humphrey, and 83.1 for Alexander. So in terms of the skill that if you were looking at a corner, you'd say, this is what I want, all three of those guys actually have very solid coverage statistics and all of them in a large number of snaps. So 652 for Douglas, 614 for Humphrey, and 597 for Alexander. So these are guys who've done it, and they've done it over a significant number of snaps. So we would expect performance levels barring injury to stay at that general level which is really look Florida needs more than one defensive back when it comes to adding to the adding to the overall overall team you think about we just talked about Jed on hill leaving but you've also got um you know miguel mitchell and kamari wilson from the first recruiting class who have both decided to enter the transfer portal and so just replacing numbers wise florida needs to do something there as well but to be able to replace numbers wise with guys who have performed and to supplement the guys like castell the guys like thornton the guys like jakeem jackson um, the guys like dijon johnson those sorts of guys i think it's uh um you know, I, I think it's important to have that sort of. Uh, I think it's important to have you know those sorts of guys on the roster.
0: Absolutely. So I do think um, going to you, to your point, you can certainly see the targets here of of hitting the defensive backfield. As you said they're, they're bringing in a ton of them. I think you know to make sure uh, that they get this defensive backfield shored up. And we'll go to two more right here. One that made waves early on, Marcus Ratcliffe. He's a defensive back. Um, committed to UCLA in early December after entering the transfer portal from San Diego State started as a true freshman finished with 50 tackles in the interception he played safety nickel linebacker for San Diego State so you're getting a versatile piece here in the secondary hey we just talked about Jaden Hill leaving needing somebody to, to fill in at the nickel spot Marcus Ratcliffe who's a name I, I've, heard, I've probably heard the most since he entered the transfer portal um three years of eligibility remaining so you might have somebody who has played who has produced and has years left uh offered by florida we'll see that visit to be determined of when it's gonna happen but should happen uh after the getting the offer from florida and then kendrick simpkins uh safety from western kentucky in 2023 51 total tackles 11 tackles for loss at the safety spot seven and a half sacks four forced fumbles all conference uh, conference usa second team in this past season at 42 total tackles in 2022, uh, two seasons of eligibility. We'll see when he visits as well. But does have an offer from Florida. Uh, but just like as I said, had to concentrate here, Will, on just a number of defensive back targets in the transfer portal. After what we saw, and all those explosive plays given up this past year, you were concentrating on those coverage grades. I mean, we see, we see the the action Florida's taking in the transfer portal here.
1: Yeah, I think Ratcliffe obviously is the uh, is the developmental prospect. PFF rating of 55.2, 63.4 in coverage last year and 651 snaps. So again, you're going to have to see a jump forward from him in order to, for him to see the field as a starter, given who Florida is going to have um, coming back simpkins is a little bit different 70.3 overall 64.4 in coverage 90.7 for pass rush so you think about like florida safeties in the past probably more like a marcus may type of guy who's Mm -hmm. going to be able to come up and lay the wood as opposed to a guy who's necessarily going to be strong in coverage but beggars can't be choosers at this point florida safety is the last what three or four years haven't really been all that effective at doing that or being in coverage. If you can get a guy out there who you can bring in and say, We're bringing this guy in the box. And when we need a guy in the box, we're going to bring in a guy like Kendrick Simpson, Simpkins. And I think that starts to make sense. Um, obviously, you know, we've gone over uh, Voice, and then you talk about Douglas, Humphrey, Alexander, Ratcliffe, and Simpkins all safeties or corners, clearly an area of emphasis <laughs> for Florida. Um, and it should be, because should if you be. start looking at the elite defenses in college football, they none of them are below average at corner and safety. Like, none of them are below – like, the top 20 power five defenses in the country, if you actually look at their PFF ratings, n- I don't think any of them are below average at either corner or safety. Some of them are right around average for one of them, but the really top-tier defenses have elite – at one position or the other, none of them below average. Florida was below average at both positions last year for the guys who all got meaningful snaps. And so I think that's, you know, obviously a place where the team feels like they need to make an adjustment. Now, it is interesting that the guys that they're going after, you know, we've you've read off South Alabama, Tulane, UTSA, San Diego State, Western Kentucky, and then you start looking at a team like Ole Miss and what they've done, you know, Walter Nolan from Texas A&M, Chris Paul from Arkansas, Mary McDonald <laughs> from Tennessee, DeKemery Richardson from Mississippi State, Antoine Wells from South Carolina, Eumann Melan from Florida, Key Lawrence from Oklahoma, Tavion Nicholson from Illinois, Lewis Moore from Indiana. Um, you know, those guys coming in the transfer portal are all, are all coming from power five schools. And so it's gonna be fascinating to see, all right, does the, does the, the performance that we've seen at a Western Kentucky match sort of like is average play from Florida. When you think about a guy like human Milan, is that? more or less valuable than very good play from somebody at, say, a UTSA or a Bowling Green or something like that. And that's something, honestly, we don't have a lot of data on just because the transfer portal has been so sparingly used um, up until the last year or two. Um, typically, transfers have been sort of projects, right? Some guy who is a uh, who was a, a blue-chip level prospect, couldn't get on the field, and the, this, was it just not a fit with the program, or is it that the guy couldn't hack it? That was sort of who you got in the transfer pool. And now, now it's guys who were starters last year and have decided, I just want to go start someplace else, and that's who's transferring. And so it's going to be fascinating to me to see how this plays out. But clearly a different strategy for Florida in terms of who they're targeting given the locations that we've listed off. I mean, UCLA and USC are sort of the only two big, big-time programs that you've mentioned. And went you know for all of these different guys, and that's going to be one of the things you know Kiffin has clearly decided to prioritize power five experience, and Napier at least with this list has not, and it'll be interesting to see how that how that plays out.
0: Yeah, I think if we go that route and say let's hit it close to home a little bit, you had Osiris Torrance from Louisiana at Florida. You had what was it, Jared Verse, and he was what from Albany? I think he transferred from Albany to Florida State, and is going to be a high pick in the NFL draft. Uh, sticking with FSU Braden Fisk from Western Michigan uh, I believe so you know close to home arrival we have seen that jump um, so talking about a jump and probably the top target I know we talked about you know top targets on the backside but let's move up front right quick I saved him for last because it might be the best of the bunch Cassius Howell edge from Bowling Green tied for first in the Mac with nine and a half sacks this past season Ten and a half tackles for loss, according to Pro Football uh, Focus, the college version. Forty-one pressures, which ranked fourth most pressures in the MAC. He's got two seasons of eligibility, so it's to be visiting on January third. I mean, that's talked about Princely, him going to old Miss. You're looking for a replacement there. Florida's got some young pieces uh, that we, you know, um, a, a TJ Searcy, uh, a, a, a Pieburn. You know, what, what, what does you know? Can he bounce back from injury? Uh, but this is a guy who has. Put some numbers together at the level that you're talking about will and would it be able to translate if he was to come to Florida?
1: Well, I mean, this guy's stats almost make him a dead ringer for Human Meulen. When you start looking at at the Pro Football Focus, seventy three point one overall, sixty six for run defense, ninety for pass rush, forty three for coverage. So, for the love of God, Austin Armstrong, don't drop him into coverage. We've seen that too much. Please don't do that to us. Um, You look at a guy like Human Meulen. He was seventy six point three overall for defense, sixty nine against the run, eighty nine pass rush, fifty two in coverage. So, he really is sort of a dead ringer for Human Melan in terms of his overall statistical profile from last year. Um, obviously, you know, the question will be what kind of growth can you see when you bring a guy in from Bowling Green um, and and what does that look like I, I think and sometimes just a change of scenery is important. I think that was actually, I think what we're going to find is human Melan's going to play really, really well at Ole Miss, mm-hmm. and the change of scenery is going to be good for him, um, and so the hope is that with a guy like Howell, especially, and this is the thing, is we're talking about these guys and where they're from, but we also can't gloss over the fact that Florida already has Shamir DK at wide receiver, Joey Slackman coming in from Penn, there at defensive end, you got Twyko Tri- Triquez Bridges coming in from Oregon. So they have hit some guys on the defensive side of the ball, specifically in Slackman and Bridges, who are Power Five or at least big time recruits, right? Slackman is a guy who everybody wanted. Bridges, a guy from Oregon, so Power Five experience. And then you start adding some of these guys we've talked about. So you'd have Slackman next to a guy like Howell, next to the guys who are all SEC freshmen, like TJ Searcy and, and, and those guys. And all of a sudden now you start to look at it. And go, hmm, if Kelby Collins can step up, if Jamari Lyons can step up, if maybe you get a bump if you justice boone comes back if you get a jump from cameron jackson now the the place that i look at and just go hole 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 there's a giant hole is linebacker yeah. and and that's where you know we we, we talked a little bit earlier about pup howard um shamar james coming back from injury will be important but i still think there's probably a, a transfer or two in there that florida would like to have at the linebacker position even in addition to Pup Howard if he ends up committing to florida I think there's probably even one more spot they'd like to fill there just because the the linebacker position out of all the places that was a huge liability for Florida last year and and you know until they get that fixed you know having guys around them who if, unless they're just the elite of the elite having guys around linebackers who are struggling is is going to be a hole in your defense and the way modern offenses are designed to take advantage of spots where you have disadvantages florida at least needs to find a way to get these guys get that position up to replacement level otherwise it's not really going to matter what they do at some of these other spots
0: yeah and go back to last year i mean taraja mitchell rj moton deuce burlock there's two linebackers in there all guys that didn't contribute or contributed very little with positive impact i mean so just hitting the portal doesn't automatically mean <laughs> you're getting upgrades well, there.
1: And, and Moten was from Michigan. Yeah. And Mitchell and, was from Ohio State, right? So and for
0: Moten, he played a ton. He played a ton of snaps for Michigan. Well, Mitchell and did well, too right? at Ohio State yeah. until he
1: was injured, right? So um, I, I think that they're like, this is the thing that I think is going to be fascinating is um, you know, just guys who move on from one SEC school to another. Um, in some ways, you know, we make fun of the coaches sometimes and talk about lateral moves and things like that. But isn't it a lateral move to go from Florida to Ole Miss? Yeah. If you're if you're a pass rusher, you're pass rushing against the exact same schedule. You know, like, like there's no – like what are you showing to NFL scouts if you do that? So then it's just, hey, I had a disagreement with a coach. I didn't like the way I was being used, that sort of stuff. And I go back well, to this, Maybe
0: – well, I hate to bring it up. Maybe not winning enough.
1: Well, and that may be true, too. Um, at, at the same time, at that point, if you're an NFL scout, aren't you sort of looking at it and going, do we want a guy who bails when we're, when <laughs> we're you know, four and six and the rubber meets the road? And we yeah. really need to buckle down to make the playoffs? Or do we need someone who's going to say, well, I'm a free agent at the end of this year. I'm going to go sign with the 49ers or the Ravens or whoever. And again, I, I'm not accusing any of the Florida guys of that, but I think that's something that I'm interested in understanding. How the Power Five to Power Five, and especially interconference transfers, start to work out. You think about a couple of years ago, Florida gets DaQuan Newkirk from Auburn. We were all excited that they'd added him to that space. Antonio mm-hmm. Valentino, where did he come from? Wasn't it Penn State? Penn State, you know, guys who were Power 5 transfers, hey, these guys are going to shore up that interior defensive line. Like Florida has solid guys now at that spot. And, you know, it was complete bull. Like they they were okay, but they were not game changers. And the idea that grabbing someone from a Power 5 school necessarily makes them a better prospect, I think is false. At the same time, I think it gives you a better idea of what they're going to produce, right? The question is going to be, A guy who's got the, you know, so Cam Alexander with, you know, 81.4 overall for his PFF. If he does that next year, he's Florida's best corner by far. Like it's not, it's not even close.
0: Right. And here's the thing, Will, uh, the the list that we just went through, and I'm glad you brought it up because this was a a route I wanted to go with. it It's not like these guys that are coming in have lost their jobs. We've brought in plenty of transfers that like RJ Moten, he lost his job at Michigan. Now you can, you probably can say that for West Bridges at Oregon a bit, but you're changing positions, wants to play more safety, but maybe that's a, another example that turns out the same way Moten did. But the list we just went through, are guys, it may be at a lower level, but they didn't lose their job. They went and performed, and now they want to go do it on a bigger stage, and maybe Florida provides that bigger stage. Well, again, I go compared to what,
1: yeah. right? It, it, the 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 question I asked about Jalen Hill, which is where does he sit on a roster that's a championship level defense you want to apply that to all these guys when you're doing an evaluation is where does this guy sit for a championship level defense? And then where does he sit for our level defense? Right. And then there's a difference between what Florida's put out there the last three or four years and what they need to put out there now. I mean, there, there is zero doubt that Florida has to get um, more instinctual on the, on the defensive side. And honestly, they just need to get more production mm-hmm. and irrespective of where that comes from, they have to find a way to get more production because, um, there just hasn't been it. There hasn't, I mean, think about the last two or three years when a guy has made a mistake on the defensive side of the ball. There hadn't been any ability to change him out. There hasn't Mm. been any major changes. There hasn't been any of that sort of stuff because there just hasn't been the depth. Like you're putting somebody out there and as a true freshman saying, Hey, there you go, go swim, which isn't necessarily the best way to teach somebody. And if they're going to make the same mistakes that your your junior starter was going to make anyway, then okay. But, Florida needs to start building that, right? There has to almost, in many ways, be a mind shift change in terms of and a mindset change within the building. And hopefully, bringing in guys who've already had success will be a big part of that. So, you know, if they bring in a guy like DJ Douglas and Cam Alexander, one safety, one corner, those are established guys who expect to come in and start. And so nothing's going to be given to a guy like Bryce Thornton or Jordan Castell or Dijon Johnson or Jakeem Jackson. Those guys are going to have to earn their starting minutes. And I think that's a good environment to fit or to build when the guys coming in expecting to be starters to the portal are guys who have played starters minutes and have performed when they've been out there. Again, it's different performing in in the AAC than it is performing in the SEC, and they'll have to establish that on their side. But obviously there's incentive to do so because if you're a great corner at UTSA and then all of a sudden you're a great corner at Florida, well you're all of a sudden going to be a top 3 draft pick. Like there's no doubt to the NFL scouts that you have the ability to play up at that level. So there's a lot of incentive for these guys to come in, play early, play well and sort of show what they can do at the SEC level and hopefully it's one of those things where, you know, the rising tide raises all boats and and we get the increased accountability and play from the young guys who maybe struggled at times this year and they're going to have to be more consistent to see the field and then obviously you've got injury insurance as well if anybody happens to go down. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow.
0: Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com specialoffer. All lowercase. That's shopify.comslash specialoffer.
1: This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world.
0: A lot of transfer portal talk. <laughs> just, uh, just hey, the, the nature of the business right now. Uh, for hey, for us covering it, and just for college football. I know I I see it in the comments. I know a lot of you out there uh, it, you don't like this side of football, but is a uh, it's a necessary evil uh, <laughs> right now. Uh, and ways Florida can uh, make this roster a little bit better. So, talk about getting better. Ready for some New Year's resolutions, Will? I think we're looking at this as ways far can get better, right? Uh,
1: hopefully, we'll we'll <laughs> we'll see what some of the uh, we'll see what some of your resolutions are. We haven't actually sent each other the list, so I'll be interested to see how much overlap there is. But I told you earlier, I had a, I had a, I had a list of ten, so we'll we'll take top three that you haven't already mentioned, maybe, and, and go. over there we those. go.
0: Uh, so I went overall, and then one on offense, one on defense. So overall they uh, don't have the inexcusable losses. I'm sick of them. You know, year one, it was Vanderbilt. This past season, it was Arkansas. You know, of course, while Florida wasn't good in those two years either, they were still better than those teams at the end of the day. Still found a way to lose those games. Uh, and to can even extend that will to win the games you're in position to win. Fourth and 17 versus Missouri. Get it done. Up 12 to nothing on Florida State. With all the momentum in the world, go win that game. So, you know... I, it's um I'm probably going basement level here uh, a little bit with this first new year's resolution for the Gators but do those things and man that's improvement for at least a couple of wins for the Gators <laughs> well, that would be nice. I,
1: I, I would enjoy winning some games. It's been a while since we've seen that. Um, my first one sort of dovetails with that, which is play meaningful November games. Oh, okay. It would yeah. be great to have some games in November that are not where it's like, oh, we could spoil Georgia season. <laughs> oh, we could spoil Florida State season. And then you lose those games and you get a list of that stupid war chant as you leave the stadium. I uh, I would love to see Billy Napier playing some meaningful November games. And to be honest, you know the schedule came out this year for 2024, and we all looked at it and said, "Oh God, how are we idiots!" But I think if you go nine and three, you make the playoff. With that schedule, you go nine and three, you make the playoff. So for the love of Pete, like let's play some meaningful November games where we're sitting there at that Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, Florida State landscape, going, "Hey, if we can go three and one in this stretch, we're going to be in the playoff." That would be a cool place to be with the uh, you know with the 12-team playoff coming in and certainly would probably uh, would probably devalue my argument that I hate the 12-team playoff. <laughs> but 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 the advantage of having this schedule is that if you play well and if you play meaningful November games, the playoff is in play. Do I think Floor's gonna make the playoff next year? No, I don't. But if we're making a resolution, let's make the let's make that five-game stretch and all five of them mean something the whole way down the stretch rather than just being a spoiler against some of our enemies
0: i mean yeah, can you imagine lSU or Ole Miss rolling to the swamp November 16th and November 23rd and there's a lot riding on that game it's been a while right? as you said since November and there's been some meaningful games uh there in the swamp yeah that would uh yeah let's get to November 16th with lSU and that's a uh, you know a, a game that you know, we remember from from years past yeah uh, I, I like that I like that one I like that one um, all right, offense. Uh. I'll, I'll keep it kind of basic here, more consistent, be more consistent on the there, and build on leads. That's probably my biggest one. You know, in early games when Florida's up by a score, they had the ball back and a chance to go up by two scores, possibly earlier in the game. I want to see, build on some leads. Build a two-score lead on somebody. Don't let teams hang around. I mean, there were so many games this past year where Florida had a chance to go up by a couple of scores. And just couldn't do it. So, my New Year's resolution for the offense build on leads, and I, in a way, that lends itself to be more consistent.
1: <laughs> well, I have one that sort of does go with that, which is okay. I want to see 14 points in the last four, first four. Just once. I'd like to see Florida actually do that to somebody else under Billy Napier. The, The last four minutes of the first half, the first four minutes of the second half. Let's get the ball with two and a half, three minutes left. Go down, score a touchdown. Get the opening kickoff of the second half. Go down and score a touchdown. Let's make the other team nervous when they punt the ball to Florida with two and a half minutes left, that, oh, we might be up three points, but by the time we get the ball back, we're going to be down 11. Because that's been what's happened to Florida for like four straight years now, where, you know, oh, we're going to punt it with two and a half minutes left to LSU or to Tennessee, and all of a sudden the entire game changes. The one I'm really remembering is the Hendon-Hooker game from two years ago Mm. where Florida was ahead, punt it to Tennessee with two and a half minutes left, have them like third and 10, third and 11, uh, Brenton Cox comes up the middle, misses the sack, Hooker hits the throw, and all of a sudden, two plays later, <laughs> Tennessee's ahead, come out, score a touchdown to start the second half, and Florida's playing catch-up the entire time. You know, the, One of the things that's been a real criticism of Napier has been his game management. That is the thing, that I think if you can start to take advantage of those sorts of of things if you can condition your team to be able to be situationally aware then uh I, I think that would be a great resolution let's put some 14 pointers up in that first four last four and uh and, and go from there
0: okay and everybody uh, while you're in I, I see the comments whether you're watching live or the replay leave your new year's resolutions in the comments i'm sure a lot of these would be fun uh right here as we go back and look at them and on defense i mean this one's not hard just be better. <laughs> Can we just be better. <laughs> Can we just be better on defense. Um, but to take it a, t- a step further, will you? I, I know, I'm sure this was probably part of your list of ten that you had because it was something you were worried about. It showed up on this defense stopping the explosive plays. Look, this defense actually was better in down to down play, but it was wiped away by all the explosives given up on this defense. So, at the very least at the very least on defense the new year's resolution is quit giving up the 40 50 60 70 80 yard plays yeah, that'd be nice. I
1: mean, I I don't I, – I, that's actually not on my list because I'm just penciling <laughs> in the explosive plays from Armstrong's defense. Um, I I would love for them to be able to translate some explosive plays on the defensive side of the ball to offset the explosives they're going to give up in the passing game. That's just sort of what he does. I mean, that's what he's done in his entire history now. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's, that's the reality is that um, – Until proven otherwise, I'm going to assume those are built in, Um, but, but I did have finished top 50 in defense. So I think that's sort of, that's sort of saying at least improve on that side of the ball, regardless of how it comes. Let's improve. Um, So, The third one I'd pick, I have a bunch of different things I could pick from. I had a goofy one, which is hold ETN to to negative (laughs) yardage.
0: Uh, (laughs) Hey, I like that. I like that.
1: But the one one that I think is actually most important to me, and uh, maybe this is because I'm from an R&D environment. Maybe it's because we do this for – for uh, you know, for our professions, at least in, in, in the evenings, is define what the future looks like. Hmm. So whether the future is Billy Napier or not, I want to know by the end of the year. I really, a tweener season where you're sort of sitting there going, uh, like, I don't know, like where you can argue both sides, where it's like, oh, has he had enough time? Like, I would love to have a season where I go, Napier is definitively the guy. These are the reasons why I can see it. I would, I would also not love, but at least would appreciate being able to say, not the guy. These are the reasons why. Time to cut bait. But a tweener, eh, I don't really know. Like I'm not sure I can take that, man. I'm just not sure I can take it. Like is I, that I, just based on record? It's not based on record. I think it's based on hope. We've talked about this over and over and over again, is that the job of a college football coach until he wins is to deliver hope. And the recruiting class falling apart a couple of weeks ago heading into early signing day, that to me is probably the worst thing out of everything that's happened over the past year because the recruiting class was always hope. DJ Lagway is hope. And so, you know, look, if you go – Six and six, but Lagway comes out like Peyton Manning did, you know, in his f- true freshman year for for Tennessee. He plays in the last four games and just lights it up. Well, now you'd be an idiot to get rid of the head coach that Lagway is comfortable with if he's lighting stuff up out there. At the same time, like you're selling hope, right? If, if all of a sudden the defense takes a major jump and the offense really struggles until Lagway comes in, again, I think that's sort of the same type of thing. But, you know, if, the, if they go with Graham Mertz for 11 games, even when the offense is sort of sputtering, if the defense is still bad again, like all those sorts of things, like what do you have to sell the fan base? And, th- and that to me is the thing, is this job is a sales job until you start winning. And so, yeah, Dave, I would love to have definitive answers wins and losses on the field that that this thing is heading in the right direction certainly it can't hurt and we've been talking extensively one of the things i keep talking about is the the number of withdrawals billy billy dapier has been taking versus the number of deposits that he's made and there haven't been a whole lot of deposits recently um so you know the 2025 recruiting class let's see that thing needs to get going. the 2024 guys hitting on the guys they brought in yeah that needs to happen lagway especially and McRae especially the linebackers especially need to start hitting there's a lot of stuff you could see where you could define it as that but i I just want to know what the future looks like. I don't Mm. want to be murky. Because I think if you get into murky, then you get into something where you've got the fan base sort of going at each other rather than being unified in terms of what's best for everybody. And I think when you get to a unification point, then everyone is going to circle the wagons. And if that unification point is Billy Napier is the guy, then all of the NIL and all of the booster support and all that stuff falls in the line. If the answer is Billy Napier is not the guy, well, then you get a new guy in and all of that booster support and all of the NIL and all that stuff ends up behind him. The worst thing you can have is...
0: You talked about hope, and there's a hope that always comes for the new hire. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, absolutely. But, but that's that's why the bump class is so important, Dave. That's why the bump class is so important. So, look, I, I think um, that's what I want. That that would be my resolution is let, let's talk about – let's define what the future is going to look like at the end of next year and and know where we are coming into New Year's Eve. And uh, hopefully it's in a playoff game. And you know, I know people think I'm delusional at the same time. People would have said that about some of the other programs that have made made the playoffs the last few years. It's funny the Auburn team back in 2010 with Cam Newton at the helm, they were five and seven and eight and five the two years before Newton came in there and started playing. Quarterback position makes a big difference. They had Nick Fairley and they had Cam Newton, and then it was a lot of the guys who'd gone five and seven and eight and five, and that was a team that wins the national championship. And I think the landscape has changed, and I think obviously the Alabama and Georgia behemoths weren't necessarily what I mean the Alabama one was, but the Georgia behemoth wasn't what it was in the SEC East. It's a harder road to. Hook. And you're, you're, we've talked extensively about Nape. You're sort of riding this razor's edge now that, you know, Lagway has to hit. And that's really sort of the way, the way it sits at this point. But there is a path where, where Florida becomes really, really good, really, really quickly because they all of a sudden have elite quarterback play. Look, Washington went eight and in one score games this year so far and rode that to, to a national championship game. Penix is awesome. That team without Michael Penix is what? Nine and four, maybe. Yeah. Um, You know, Penix is the reason that they're playing in the national championship game. They are not as talented as Michigan. They're not as talented as Texas, and they're not as talented as Alabama. But Michael Penix is one of the best players in the country. Yeah. If and you not- make those <laughs>
0: throws, he was making. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, yeah, I was, I was, I was in awe. I mean, look, I've watched him a few times this year, but to see it at that stage.
1: Well, the one specifically where they moved him off his spot in the pocket, yeah, he slid right. to the right and then just fired a bullet at the guy coming across the middle. Like there you're sitting there going, you can't teach that. And even if you can, um, you know th- this guy is really special in terms of what he can do. So hey, maybe I'm delusional, but the reality is is that if Florida goes nine and three, they make the playoff and that i think would give us clear definition of what the future looks like certainly would give us hope for the program and uh, there's a lot there's there are many things napier can do to put deposits into that bank account mm-hmm. of goodwill for gator nation but out of all of them winning games is the easiest way to put money in that account you go 9 and 3 you're going to end up in the black man i mean literally, i don't think there's any way a 9 and 3 sec team is out of a 12 team playoff with the schedule florida has I I, because I mean it just means you've beaten quality teams along the way. I mean maybe the only way is if you lose like Florida State lost to Georgia the other day in one of them, then maybe that ends up keeping you out. But I think a nine and three team makes playoff. Again, nine and three really, really, really friggin tough. But win some, win some games, it takes care of itself.
0: All right, there we go. Those are New Year's resolutions right, right there for the Gators. Hey, since we just talked about it, college football playoff final now set: Washington, Michigan. We will talk a little bit of big-picture college football here because, hey, look, it's end of the year, national championship game. Um, well, I thought uh, Washington and, and, and Texas I went back and forth on. Uh, I think I ultimately did lean Washington. I was going Bama in the other matchup. That did, uh, did not work out there. But, um, man, uh, for all the drama, following Michigan all year long. Uh, they, they, they keep finding a way to win. They, they really have rallied around that uh, them against the world mentality there. Finally got their first playoff win after getting just spanked the last couple of years uh, in, in the playoff. Now on their way uh, to face uh, Washington, Penix, who we just talked about. And uh, I think it's a good matchup, good contrast of styles. Um, I think I would be afraid that Michigan just dominates up front and, and limits uh, Penix. I, I think that would probably be the pathway to a Michigan victory, Uh, but also, you know, if Penix is given time, can Michigan cover those receivers? Uh, So really good contrast of styles here. I'm, uh, uh, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, look, I think Michigan has been one of those teams that's been knocking on the door the whole yeah. way. Washington has made the playoff once, I think, before this yeah. when they had Jake Browning at quarterback. So obviously, there's a there's a pattern here, right? <laughs> that, that when you that when you have a quarterback who's NFL quality, and Browning is winning games in the NFL now for the Bengals, not at Joe Burrow level, but he's a solid backup quarterback there in the NFL. And when you got good guys, last year. That, yeah. Sure, uh, but Penix was also the quarterback last year yeah, for Washington, right? right? So um, th- there's a pattern in terms of college football and what you can do and how you can win. McNamara is a uh, a uh, um, a, or I'm sorry, McCarthy is a five star quarterback that mm-hmm. Jim Harbaugh brought in, and actually, Cade McNamara was the quarterback two years ago in the playoffs. Got got superseded by uh, by McCarthy there at the quarterback position, and so look, it's not as the and and was I think tenth in the Heisman voting. So you got a guy who was quarterback tenth in the Heisman voting, a guy who was second in the Heisman voting. And after the game the other night, I think everybody wants Jaden Daniels to give his trophy back <laughs> over to Michael Penix. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's funny because I saw Penix, my dad, my dad and sister went to Indiana. And so I sort of root for the Hoosiers a little bit. I grew up in the state and uh, at least till I was sixteen. And so I you know he he's like the old all of a sudden Indiana was winning like eight games back in that 2020 season. And you're like, wait a minute, Indiana is in the top 25. Like this happens like once a century, like, like what's going to happen. Some, (laughs) some, like, is hell going to freeze over what's going on here? (laughs) Indiana is good at football. And, uh, and sure enough, he goes off to Washington and all of a sudden is lighting things up. So to me, that's the thing. is it's This is a quarterback battle. Uh, Penick seems to do okay even when he's pressured as opposed to Milroe who clearly Michigan was able to confuse. They confused the Alabama offensive line. And after that first quarter where well, Milroe just got absolutely – You know, was getting absolutely just destroyed by by the pass rush from Michigan. They just really didn't throw the ball that much. All the deep shots that Alabama's taken all year with with Milrow were relatively um, Mm -hmm. infrequent. They didn't do that same sort of stuff. Still, I think Michigan pretty pretty lucky to win that game down by a touchdown there with what two minutes left three minutes left go for it on fourth down they convert that for a big play all of a sudden they had the ball that was tipped that was then caught and taken inside the five yard line if that ball's tipped a little bit higher maybe you get a pick for alabama um certainly the fact that alabama couldn't snap the ball was was a contributing factor to all this stuff too and and at the end of the at the end of the day if they'd had a good snap to milro and if he'd been able to cut left on that last play that game might still be going on but uh a um, heck of a couple of games, man. I mean, if we have a championship game like we saw for the for the two games we saw yesterday, it'll be an yeah. awesome, awesome time for college football, which is great because uh most of the other bowl games have been pretty non-competitive. The Oregon-Liberty game was just completely non-competitive. The Tennessee-Iowa game, completely non-competitive. <laughs> the Georgia-Florida State game, completely non-competitive. Um, that's not good for college football, right? It's I mean, it's, it's one of those things. I was telling somebody today, they were asking me what I thought about the Georgia-FSU game. And I was like, you know, it's kind of like Jackass the movie, where like everybody goes to see the first one. But there's a very select number of people who go see Jackass six. And, and so like to me, okay, it's a train wreck, Florida state getting left out undefeated power five. I thought they should have been in, but you know, whatever. I'm okay with them being left out. Get absolutely just bulldozed by Georgia. Half their team isn't there, all that sort of stuff, and afterwards, afterwards, uh, you you got Kirby Smart feeling sorry for him. Afterwards, like basically sitting up there at the podium, going, "This should never happen." That's a good football team, I assure you. I know we beat them by sixty, and we even called off the dogs there in the fourth quarter, but, um, but but that shouldn't happen. College football needs to fix it. But now you look at the ratings, the ratings came out today and everybody watched it. And so I'm hoping that the incentive structure for college football is not to go, well, everybody watched it. That must be, that must be what people want. It's like, nah, this was, this was the first jackass movie. And as we move forward (laughs) into jackass number six, like nobody's going to want to watch that anymore. And uh, so to me, that's sort of the analogy. And hopefully that stuff does get fixed because, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, act, I, I'm warming to the 12-team playoff given what's happened to all yeah. the opt-outs. Like you and I, I think you were the one who proposed it first, having the bowl games played as like the first game, week zero of the season the next year, yep. and doing it that way so that they at least mean something. And that's kind of a cool concept. But if they're not going to do that, then uh, you know. We've sort of gotten to a point where it's playoff or bust for everybody, and uh, you know that's that's kind of what you could feel, right? Like uh, to me, the week of Christmas was very much just sort of eh, there's something on, I'll turn it on, but I didn't watch a ton of college football which is a problem for college football considering that I'm a diehard and I'm sitting there going, I just like I know I can't glean anything from looking at Iowa play Tennessee, except for maybe the, that that uh, Tennessee's five-star quarterback may be a problem next year, but uh, you know, I, there just wasn't a whole lot to glean. So how much are you going to watch?
0: Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, before we go update on Jaden Voison though, as you said, the visit's not going to happen. I said there you are know, reasons um mention grades mention credits that's like it might be a medical uh deal there for voicing and why he's not visiting florida so uh that's happened before uh we've heard about that (laughs) um maybe keeping other guys from from visiting or coming to florida there's the does sound like a so maybe something else can get figured out uh maybe it's just the visit's not happening now um or right now maybe it happened down the road but uh as of now jaden voicing not visiting does sound like it may be part of uh, a medical deals, So, there we go. Uh, a little update before we sign off here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Right, well, there we go. First episode of 2024 in the books. Ready to get it all and uh, now we just got to wait for the season again. Well, I'm, I'm just... Uh, I told you one of my New Year's
1: resolutions was that you didn't get memed by Pat Hayes next year because... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so at least or if you do, it's for positive things. Yeah, not yeah. not uh, not not when early sighting days falling apart. So Hey, well, um, you know,
0: it uh that was after the FSU game. You know, got a little emotional. You know, those hey, look, a lot of work goes into August, September, October, December. And hey, that was one reason I took a whole week off uh, last week, spent it with the family and stuff. And um, but here we are, ready ready to, ready to attack it again with the new year. Yeah, well, let, let me plug your stuff, man. I mean, I think you know
1: you talk about Gators Breakdown Plus. The Discord's really cool to go talk to people who are committed to the program and and some of the other stuff there on Gators Breakdown Plus. But if for no no other reason, because of the amount of work that goes into putting this stuff, sort of stuff together, I obviously am a little bit behind the scenes, contribute something to it. But um, you're the you're the guy doing the yeoman's work when it comes to putting that stuff together. And and uh, you know I I felt that when you got emotional about it after the Florida State, not just because of where the program is and that sort of stuff, but because of the amount of effort, the amount of time and the amount of relationships that you build around the football program. And so, you know, like we all want to see Florida succeed. And so we're critical when we feel like we need to be critical because there's a need to do that. But, um, and because that's how you get better, right. Is by actually looking at stuff and saying, Hey, this needs to improve, or this is what we need to do. So, um, look, those relationships are the things that make this worthwhile, but anything worthwhile is hard. And anybody who, uh, who's watching this here, just know this is the hardest working guy in the business. I'm talking to right now. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes and, and, uh, you know, hopefully everybody appreciates everything you put into it.
0: Right, thanks, Will. Thanks for those kind words. And, uh, Hey, here's a happy new year. Here's the 2024 and, uh, hopefully bigger things on the horizon for, for us, Gators breakdown, reading reaction, Gators out there as well. And, uh, Hey, we'll have some fun this year Uh, covering it all for you again. So everybody out there, happy new year from Gators Breakdown. That'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown.